You know, having sensitive skin makes finding skincare products so difficult. It is. But today's sponsor, OneSkin, makes it easy. Their topical supplements are formulated with soothing ingredients and natural antioxidants. And they're gentle enough to use every day, even if you have sensitive skin. And it was founded by an all-female team of scientists. OneSkin's products are backed by extensive lab and clinical data to validate their efficacy and safety on all skin types. Their topical supplements are the easiest way to keep your skin healthy and hydrated without all the harsh ingredients or irritation found in other skincare products. In a third-party 12-week clinical study performed by third-party research organization OS01 Face was clinically proven to strengthen the skin barrier, improve skin health markers, and diminish visible signs of aging. Like wrinkles were diminished in 87% of users. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company by focusing on the cellular aspects of aging one skin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer get started today with 15 percent off using code tco at oneskin.co that's 15 percent off oneskin.co with code tco after your purchase they'll ask you where you heard about them please support the show and tell them we sent you it's more than just your output, more than a bike. When you hear your shout out, you know it's all right. Put on your magic pants and let's go. We're cruising into the power zone. Clip in, set yourself free. Come on and take a ride with me. You know what you need to know. What's it all about? Everything you need. It's all the clip out. Welcome to the Clip Out, episode 20. This is Crystal O'Keefe. And this is Tom O'Keefe. This is the first one I've done sick. Yeah. You sound you sound a little tiny bit pathetic. Just tiny? Just a tiny bit. I'll have to I'll have to increase the patheticness. <laughs> well, you look pathetic. Well, gosh, thanks. I love you too. Um, <laughs> you know, stick up for me here. I'm not that guy. Nope. Like I'm not the guy. He's that, not the guy that lays in bed and he's like, like I'm so sick, honey. I I, I can't can't make. And then when you get sick, I'm like, that sucks for you. Yeah. No, he does not do that. He's not. He's not the man flu guy. Yeah. No. It's it's a real thing. I've seen it. Oh yeah. But no, you don't. You don't have it. You don't want to name any names because you would hate to embarrass your ex husband. But <laughs> but he might do that occasionally. A little bit. And I get along with your ex husband. I would say that if he was standing right here. He would. He would smirk and blush and be like, well, maybe a little. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I just want to make it clear. Like I'm not that guy. Like, yeah. I don't do that. You don't. I, I power through when you need help. Yep. When you're sickly. Yep. I'm right there. We do chores. We get stuff done. I like, go to the store. I'll, yep. buy, I'll buy tampons. I don't care. Yeah. I've never understood why guys don't want to buy tampons. Honey, we haven't even started the podcast and you are all the way off subject. You are on tampons. I don't even know how no, we got you're here. you're on tampons. I'm not on tampons. That would be weird. But, but uh, like, you know, here's what always mystifies me about this. I've already started down this road. There's no stopping. I'm sorry. So every guy in the world wants to brag about getting laid, right? Uh, yeah. So what says you're getting laid more than buying tampons? Because you don't buy tampons for a girl you're not having sex with. 
That is well. That's not true. You could end up buying them for your daughter. Okay, but be, but at a certain age, I'm talking when you're in your twenties. You yeah, probably no, have, you're no. Buy them for your daughter. Just, I would hope not. That's a mathematical impossibility. Yes. And so uh, you know, like, so no, I I get it. I I've never really understood it except for that it's it's embarrassing. Like nobody. I mean, women still to this day, including myself, we tuck a tampon in our sleeve and we walk to, shamefully to the bathroom <laughs> to use it because we don't want anyone to know that we're on our period. It's, it's Oh we can tell <laughs> <laughs> It's getting close You better shut up <laughs> Well and I will say this I was a checker At a grocery store For for 10 years I did it I started off as a bagger In high school Worked all the way Through college I was in college For a long time It's like that line In Tommy Boy It's like A lot of people Go to college For 8 years Yeah they're called Doctors <laughs> um, I will say This is a checker On the front lines Of retail I didn't pay One bit of attention To anything You were purchasing The only way I would notice something Is if I scanned it And it went Instead of Boop And then you were like Price check on these tampons yeah. in aisle four. <laughs> <laughs> Super loud. Yeah. So back to the podcast. Back to the podcast. You're not that guy. We get it. Not that guy. You going to do your shameless plugs? Shameless plugs. Don't forget, we're available on <laughs> iTunes. You can go there, rate, review, subscribe. It helps us tremendously. It lets iTunes know that we're alive and worth maybe featuring one day. Dare maybe. to dream. Maybe. Dare to dream. So uh, so you could do that. Yeah. And and you could leave a review like uh, this fine person, Jessica Smurf. It's I know who that is. S-M-Y-U-R-F. Nice. So... If a woman spells woman with a Y, she's a feminist. So if a Smurf smells Smurf with a Y. Did you say smell Smurf? Spell Smurf with a Y. (laughs) What does that make them? I don't know. I'm sure you've got a clever answer. I don't. I'm just curious. I I don't know what the Y is all about. You was taken. There was already a Jessica Smurf. Yeah, that's my theory. Okay. But why insert the Y there? To, to get to use it Jessica Smurf too You could do that I, I don't know Okay anyway So uh, Jessica Smurf says Smurf says <laughs> I am a fan She was anyway Until my, my rant I was previously a fan I downloaded the episodes And listened to them on flights Or long drives Crystal and Tom You are hilarious Until you started making fun Of my leaderboard name <laughs> And I love the dynamic Between the two of you Your your guests have been Interesting and funny And they all make me feel better About being so obsessed With my bike that goes nowhere So thank you Thank you Jessica And if you're offended Just try and chalk it up To me being sickly Yeah It's the It's the drugs That he's on yes. And to be clear the, They're over the counter Yeah Well Not entirely Because <laughs> because it, it's Sudafed And in Missouri You can't just walk in anywhere And buy Sudafed Oh my gosh You are a tangent machine today I am <laughs> I don't know how it is In the rest of the country But you can't just walk in And buy Sudafed Anywhere around well, here Well we know you can't In LA either But that's a whole nother story Yeah So it's- my ex-wife's anyway, fault Yeah So what is coming up On the show today? An interview with Howie Godnick Heard of him Yeah The poet (laughs) Not the poem guy Yes you tend to call him the poem guy And then I had to gently remind you that They have a word for that We in English we have a word for that (laughs) And that word is poet It's even I actually have pretty good vocabulary I just have my moments of complete blanking And that was one of them Yes So Howie Godnick poet Poet 
it's even one of those few words that's kind of, that's gender neutral. Yeah. So you don't even have to like, when you went around and added a gender to I it. I did. I did. Well, we also have some news to discuss, and uh, that's pretty much it. Okay. Well, I guess let's dig in, shall we? Sounds good. Man, oh man, do you love your AG1. I really do. You do. It's a wonderful tasting drink, and it also makes me feel good. Like, it's a great way to start the day. Uh, you know, I grew up, my dad always had things like tomato juice first thing in the right. morning. I feel like AG1 is my tomato juice. <laughs> <laughs> this generation's V8. Yes, I, I do. Uh, but I love the way it makes me feel. It's like I get all of my vitamins and I'm ready for the day just with a drink. And like I said, it's a good tasting drink. And it can help replace your, your multivitamin just by drinking an AG1 every day. Yes. And not only did I replace my multivitamin with AG1, but I love that every scoop also includes prebiotics, probiotics, and digestive enzymes for gut support. It also has vitamin C and zinc to support my immune health. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1. And that's why I've partnered with them for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase at drinkag1.com slash clipout. That's drinkag1.com slash clipout. Check it out. Man, there is nothing worse than when you buy a pair of sunglasses and then you lose or break them. I would agree. So what do we do about that? (laughs) Well, that's where Gooder comes in. Their sunglasses are $25 each. So nobody likes to throw away $25, but it's a lot better than throwing away a hundred or more dollars on a pair of broken sunglasses, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I have to say that's not my favorite part about Gooder. My favorite part about Gooder is that when I run, they don't slip, they don't bounce, and they're 100% polarized. Um, And they also come in like a million different colors and styles. For your $25, you're not sacrificing comfort, safety, or style. If you want to support the show and pick up a pair, Gooder is giving the Clipout listeners free shipping on their first order. Just go to gooder.com slash TCO. That's G-O-O-D-R.com and use code TCO to get free shipping. Gooder offers a 30-day money-back guarantee and 100% satisfaction. Find your pair at gooder.com slash TCO and use code TCO to get free shipping. It's time for news of the Peloton. So in the news, news plenty. Yes. Where would you like to begin? Hmm. Well, I guess we could begin with the news that uh, it's, as you would say, divisive. Yeah, there's not going to be a lot of middle ground on your opinion of this. So there's a new new Peloton owner. Yes. And uh, like I said, not going to be a lot of middle ground Yep. On this particular owner. Yeah. So if you guys haven't heard, Ivanka Trump and her husband are now the proud owners of a Peloton. I'm surprised they only bought one. <laughs> so Peloton make there's a there's a gold plated Peloton now. Is that how that works? No, it, it was the Diamond original. And, and you know how I know it was the original? Because because we we in America have the paparazzi so trained to take pictures of everything that they got pictures of of the Peloton guys delivering the Peloton bike to the White House. No, it wasn't to the White oh, House. Okay. It was to her fancy loft or whatever she gotcha. wherever she lives. But they were carrying it up the stairs and they snapped this horrible grainy photo. Gotcha. So um, 
Hope they wanted to be in the news. <laughs> I think they do. I'm, I'm going to go. I don't. I don't feel like this is a politically charged oh, no. statement. I meant the. I meant the Peloton guys. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> I was like, I'm pretty sure anyone with the last name Trump wants to be in the news. Yeah. So she's been genetically bred to want to be in the news. Yeah. So. So that's that. There you go. So do with that what you will. Yep. We're not offering any opinions. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Except just, have fun and discuss Except we're just saying that happened Yep it's factual There you go Next So next item on our list of Newsify Yeah so I have to tell everybody that um, We we definitely broke a record last weekend With the Hurricane Harvey ride So proud to say that 2,500 people showed up And we broke a record And biked something like 42,000 miles in one hour That's a lot of money Yeah And so Peloton will be giving $40,000 to the Red Cross So uh, Just amazing I was so happy to be proud of it Dennis Morton did an amazing job the, If you have not taken the ride Please do The entire ride was all Music from people From artists who are from Texas So <laughs> So as you know, there was ZZ Top in the ride. That was like when you were like all artists from Texas. I'm like ZZ Top. Yep, and he was in it, and it, the whole ride was so great. And Dennis shared his own personal hurricane story, and uh, he, yeah, I, I got a little emotional a couple times, couple you? times. I know I can be a little emotional, but it was, uh, it was very moving, wonderful tribute, and uh, that happened. So it was great. And if you haven't taken it, absolutely should. Awesome. Yeah. And and Megan Yarnell's GoFundMe that right. she was doing uh, that this raised, was for that was for Peloton owners who had been affected directly by Hurricane Harvey. Right, uh, she was able to raise over seven thousand dollars. Wow, yeah. So as always, amazing Peloton community. I'm hoping that Irma does not do any damage in the United States. Maybe somehow it'll just spin right back on out to the Atlantic where it came from before it does any damage. Fingers crossed. Yes. So, anything to add on Hurricane Harvey updates? No. I didn't know. Not a meteorologist. Just checking. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So, um, apparently you're getting stalked now? Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. So, uh, so... Um, it had been like six or eight months, so I I checked up my LinkedIn page. Yeah, as you do. Right. Does anybody check LinkedIn like on a regular basis? I do, but I like to keep my options open for jobs. Oh, okay. I, I could tell you were about to make a, a joke about my our, our marriage and yeah. my commitment to you, so I I threw in jobs. I wasn't about to make a joke about it. Yes, you were. You had already made a joke oh, about it when you were we saying go. you were keeping your options open. <laughs> But LinkedIn, I'm just like, that's, oh yeah, that's still around Yeah, it is, barely It's hanging in there, but by a thread So I went on LinkedIn, and you know how they have the thing where you can can see who looked at your page Right But some people keep themselves private Because they're they're shy Yeah You know And, but you can still see where they work Yes So apparently someone from Flywheel (laughs) Had been lurking around my LinkedIn page well, that's that's very interesting, and and which brings us to the, the the next interesting part: who wasn't lurking around your LinkedIn page? Yeah, yeah. So my LinkedIn page is completely free of Flywheel employees. Yeah, maybe they thought since I didn't ride the bike that I was the weak link in the chain here, or maybe they thought that um, the, since I'm a girl, right, I don't matter. 
You are a girl. Yeah, maybe they thought I don't matter. You matter to me. So maybe they thought I don't matter. I don't know. I I really like. You got to kind of wonder if you're gonna go lurking around LinkedIn pages <laughs> for people who host Peloton based podcasts. Let's let's be let, let's just be straight up. There's just the two of us, right? So why <laughs> would you look at the man's page and not the woman's page? Maybe they didn't know how to spell my name properly or something. Well, they spelled O'Keefe. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's the hard part. I don't know. It's weird. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I think I think it's very strange that that they didn't look. But you know, may, maybe they're going to hire you for marketing. Maybe they're coming after you to to do some marketing for them because you do. I mean, everybody says you have a great voice. You do. Maybe maybe they want you to do some ads for them. Flywheels trying to steal Tom. We're starting a rumor. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think so. Well, they're not getting you on the bike before we get you on the bike. I would absolutely not do that. Okay, for less than a certain. Dollar <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if they're going to start throwing money at me to ride a bike, okay. like, well, maybe I will. Like, how much money are we talking? <laughs> talking like 500 bucks? No. 5,000 bucks? Hmm. Probably no. 50,000 bucks? Hmm. Getting closer. He's a traitor. I don't, I don't even think I can look at you right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, we all have our number. Well, apparently yours is somewhere between five and fifty thousand dollars. I'm not saying that's what it would be. I'm just saying that would get my attention. Mm-hmm. That's okay. all I'm saying. Do I need to start checking your LinkedIn inbox to see if you're getting <laughs> direct messaged by Flywheel? No, they're they're all privatized. They don't want me to see, so they're trying mm-hmm. to keep it secret. We're outing them right now. We're probably ruining the whole deal by talking about it. <laughs> what well, a shame. Well, I I can't believe that anybody from Flywheel would be listening to this podcast, but. Maybe they are. I don't know. I don't know why else they would be on my LinkedIn page. I don't know. It's strange. If anybody's got any theories that we haven't covered, let us know. Yes. (laughs) Strange things afoot at the Circle K. Mm. (laughs) Circle K. (laughs) Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yeah, I I don't think I've actually ever seen that movie. Oh, the first one's pretty funny. And before we go, huge news. Huge. Huge. Not to be confused with the... Ivanka Trump, which that was huge. <laughs> that was huge news. This is huge, huge. news. <laughs> so today I got an email from Peloton. I mean, everybody got an email from Peloton, oh, okay. not just me. Were they were they lurking around your LinkedIn page? Nope. Oh. Not a. Maybe you should check yours again. Maybe they were on yours. I don't know. I guess Soul <laughs> Cycle on war. there now. Maybe it's a bidding war for Tom. No, we got an email today, and Beyond the Ride classes are going live. Look at that. I'm so excited. How cool is that? Like, it's not just about the Beyond the Ride content going live. To me, you know you know what this means, in my head, anyway. I don't know if it really means this, but I, I have this feeling Yes. That this means that we are very close to a new content coming our way. I think this is I think this is step one. It's like a little baby step. Let's throw it into the pond and see what kind of ripples we get. I see. Well if you if you do the content enough, you will get ripples. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But that was not the kind of ripples I was oh, talking about. I see. So I think it's super exciting. And they're also adding uh, several more 20 minute rides throughout the week uh, And so you're going to be able to stretch Right from your bike You're going to be able to do some some weights If you want to do a 10 minute arm class Or you want to do the whole body workout 
every Sunday. They're going to have those. I saw that it was like every Sunday starting on September 16th. So, yeah, that's super exciting. It is. That's all we have for the news. Okay, we are done with the... If you're looking to avoid carbs, it's always a challenge trying to find bread that fits in with your keto lifestyle. Right, because you want to make sure that it tastes good and you want to make sure it has good ingredients. So I think Hero Bread does both. Especially when you're in the store, you are overwhelmed with bread choices. Yes. And I've had other breads before that claim to have low net carbs and you are certainly sacrificing taste texture size yes none of that with hero bread no because sometimes on the ones that have the low net carbs they have like no substance to it (laughs) it's like eating air it is and hero bread actually really tasted good and it felt like a solid piece of bread like i did not feel like i was giving up something i was surprised at how big each slice of bread was here's the real test of a piece of bread (laughs) i didn't make a sandwich with these I just had toast. Which you love, because you have toast almost every day. I do. It was the (laughs) best textured bread of this sort that I've ever had. And if you're doing the math, it's zero to one grams of net carbs, zero gram sugar, and high in fiber. So don't give up being a breadhead. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use code TCO at checkout. That's TCO at H-E-R-O dot C-O. News. Checking in with the Peloton community. So on the uh, Skype phone with us today is Howard Godnick. Hi. I thought you were doing Howie. Howie Godnick. (laughs) They're both here. Yeah, they're both here. He has multiple personalities. He's like Sybil. How's it going? going Since, Since my girlfriend's father's name is Howard, we have to go with Howie. Otherwise, it gets really, really awkward. Yeah, that would be weird. Yeah. I've al- I always thought of it because I, I only have one sister. And so like every once in a while when you would her name was Karen, when you would you when you would meet a girl named Karen, I was like, I don't know that I could date a girl named Karen. That would be weird. Well, yeah, you were, it, you were it clearly was fine. an obstacle for our relationship, but we got over it. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> well, you probably didn't know that going in. Like that wasn't uh, like an intro question. But she no, knew uh, it. I certainly didn't know it because he was not on J date. She was. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, but I think she knew his, her yeah. father's name. Call me crazy. Well, of course she did. I would hope. In today's yeah. world, you can't make those assumptions. You don't know. That's that is true. <laughs> So well, I, went on, I went on one date and it worked. So yay, that's nice. <laughs> what you went on one date and you're like at all like just yeah like, one one online date. I was on J date. I was on a bunch of them, but right? I had one date um, and that was it. And then I was off. No way. Way. So you literally ended up marrying the first person you met on through online dating. We are still dating. You're still dating girlfriend. You said girlfriend. But he's Sorry. like he's not on the market, yeah. right? I mean, he, that long, was it. How long have you been together? Oh, oh I got to get this right. Four <laughs> years last week. Holy Whoa. cow! That's that's. I'm like I'm gonna say crazy, but it's also amazing. It's impressive. Like one and done. What one and done? I I knew what I wanted, and I was able to fool her. So, yeah. <laughs> so do you do you get to you get to hold this over her head quite a bit, don't you? Because you're like she was, she's probably catting around on J date for months. No, no, she only, she actually only had one date before me, and that person bore the first name of her ex husband. 
Oh, yeah. That, he wouldn't have even gotten a first date. That would not have worked for me at that, all. That would be problematic. <laughs> well, he went from ex-husband name to father name. So, look, my ex-wife was a therapist. I'm not going to get into everything yeah. that goes behind all of this. Yeah. Well, it's funny because so uh, Crystal, for a long time, hid her middle name from me. I did. Because her middle name is the same as my ex-wife's first name. So which is which is weird that her middle name is crazy fucking bitch. No, I'm just (laughs) I'm embarrassed that's my middle name because I do not want any association with that woman. And she still carried Tom's last name when we got married. So like when and she still got mail at our old house. And so so like there would be things that got confused because it would have my first and middle and last name, and then she would get a piece of mail that had oh it was just Awful. I got to tell you when when we went and got our our marriage license and when I when I saw it's it's it had her name on there even as your middle name like I I kind of broke out into a cold sweat. Yeah, like I was just all like, over again. We get along great with Crystal's ex husband. Like, yeah, we, I talk to him all the time. He's, he like babysits for us. Yeah, he babysits sometimes. Like, he's a he's a good guy. Like, yeah. I, I get. And why. his new wife is great too. Yeah. Love her. And like, her name is ironically Karen, which is, is your sister's name. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't have to worry about anything there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is but, your uh, podcast a tribute to marriage? Or is it is. We're celebrating marriage <laughs> and <we> parenthood. <laughs> so. It's, All right, it's, swipe right. Yeah. <laughs> so Peloton. Yeah. Remember oh, those? Hey. Peloton with an O, not an E. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, so you've been listening for a while. <laughs> oh, so how did you find Peloton? You know, that's my first question. Peloton. Always well, my first question. Um, it takes me back a bit. So it'll take me back a bit into my medical history. Okay. Um, up until 1993, up until 1992, I was a runner. I had run four New York marathons, all under four hours, he says proudly. Wow. And then in 1993, I had a quadruple bypass at the age of 35. So um, I stopped running. And that was about the time that spinning became big, at least in New York. And I became a big spinner at the studios in New York City. Okay, so let me ask a question. I, I, I was watching your TED Talk, and I, I made the connection that you stopped running after, after you had the quadruple bypass. But is that because you had to? Like, no. Okay. But, but you no. felt more comfortable doing, just doing spin rather than running? Well, I, I'm just I curious. Turned, it's yeah, it's, no, I just turned to something else. I missed running. Okay, but for a while, my legs had to heal because they take veins out of both of your legs sure. to create arteries for your heart. Um, it hurt to run because my rib cage was melded back together with stainless steel, um, oh. and bouncing up and down wasn't the greatest thing. And my wife was big into spinning, and she got me into spinning. And so I started to go to Reebok, was a big club in New York. I started to go there. I was already a member. Got into spinning, and then became an obsessed, obsessed spinner. (laughs) I would take two, three classes a day. Whoa. And back in the time before anyone put any resistance on, you know, there was no accountability. There was certainly no metrics. And I just spun my ass off standing, sprinting. Dancing on a bike for 45, then another 45, then another 45, and I loved spinning. And then we would go out east, and there was a spinning studio out east owned by a woman by the name of Marion. Uh, Marion went on to become one of the original founding crew of Peloton, and she became a very, very good friend of mine. 
And I took all my spinning classes with Marion uh, out in East Hampton at her studio called The Zone until 2003 when I had a massive heart attack on a spinning bike in her studio. Oh, my gosh. Yikes. And it had to be medevaced by helicopter on 22 units of morphine back to Stony Brook, which was the university I had graduated from in 1980. And I hadn't been back to since 1980. And I was arriving back on the helicopter as stoned as I was when I left in 1980, exactly <laughs> years later. Um, and so I stopped spinning after that because I couldn't moderate myself on a spinning bike. To me, I had strong legs and it was just dancing on a bike and I had fun and I'd get lost in the music. So I turned to bike riding, bike riding in Central Park, because you can't do on a bike at least I couldn't do on a bike what I used to do on a spinning bike. In the meantime, Marion had hooked up with this guy named John Foley, and they were designing, or she was part of a team designing this indoor spinning bike, at-home spinning bike, and she used to wax poetic about it to me for the longest time, and I would nod and smile and say, what a neat idea that is, and think to myself, what a stupid idea. <laughs> and you were like, please don't ask me to invest. Well, seriously, I mean... Spinning Wait, at home by what yourself. What did you think? Yeah, why did you think that was stupid? I just, no one else was doing it. I okay. couldn't imagine. Look, I have all my money invested in Visa for 18. I'm getting 18% interest or I'm paying 18% of interest. All I know is my balance goes up by 18% every month. I'm not an investment genius. <laughs> <laughs> so I just thought it was a stupid idea. Uh, although she would talk about it and talk about it. And then it launched and I didn't really hear all that much about it. And meanwhile, I was enjoying riding my bike in Central Park until... I was struck with something called anterior ischemic optic neuropathy. I'm sure you're well-versed in it. I had never heard of it before in my <laughs> life, but essentially I became visually impaired. Oh, so I nice. could no longer ride my bike any longer, at least not in the city. There's just too, many tra too much traffic, too many pedestrians, etc. It would be too dangerous. So I started going to the gym, and aspirationally I would go to the gym and ride a recumbent bike four times a week. In fact, I would go to the gym twice a week. Um, I just wasn't working out all that much. And I would hear from or see Marion, and she would rave about this new company, Peloton, how great it was. And finally, I decided, what the hell? I would love to take classes with Marion again. So in May of 2015, I said, fuck it. I ordered my bike, and that's back in the days. It took eight to 10 weeks for the bike to arrive. By the time it finally arrived, Marion had left. Oh. Uh, Yes, I got the bike on July 2nd, 2015. I considered returning it because there's a return policy because I had bought it in the hopes of once again riding with Marion. Um, I didn't know any of the other instructors. I didn't even know what the stupid bike could do. But <laughs> nonetheless, I kept the bike. Marion's rides were on demand, so I would ride with her. I got into riding with others. And I think it's 568 rides later, um, I'm still riding Peloton, and it is without question the best investment I've ever made in myself. You know, I just got to point out, it, you had a harder time finding a spin instructor online than you did a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's a very good point. <laughs> I can tell he's, he's like, how have I never thought of that? <laughs> and, and I'm still biking around, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> you slut. <laughs> but the slut loved the bike so much that the slut bought one, bought one for his girlfriend. Aw, so you guys ride together. Well, she we don't live it together. So she rides in her apartment. She lives four blocks away, and she runs marathons. In fact, her her um, online dating name and the name I gave her as a leaderboard name when I bought her the bike is Marathon Mom. 
Nice. Um, so she's on a quest to run a marathon in every state. Wow. Uh, she will run her 30, I got to get this right, 36th state in two weeks. Her wow. 47th marathon. Oh, my gosh. Um, so we will often ride at the same time together yeah. or we'll go down to the studio together. Wow. So did she... Did she ask for a bike? No, she was riding mine periodically. I knew oh. she was enjoying it. Okay. Frustrating for the marathons. And I wanted to impress her <laughs> with a nice gift. So I announced it on the OPP back oh. in, when there was only a few hundred or less than a thousand people on, on the page. I announced that I had bought Marathon Mom her own Peloton bike. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's good. I mean, that's, that's a ballsy gambit. <laughs> like, hey, honey, I bought you some exercise equipment. Like, that's... Yeah, I could be taken the wrong way, but no. Yeah. Uh, when, when, when you're in love with a woman who runs marathons in every state, that's not an issue. No, right, yeah. Right, I was yeah. just like, when you're like, I, and I bought my girlfriend, I'm like, ooh, that <laughs> can go one of two ways. And I just hear it as like the sweetest gift yeah. ever. Well, because... Yeah, Tom, well, Tom, we need for you to start riding. Well, let's not go crazy. <laughs> well, we we got yours as part of a birthday present, right? Did we? No. Or something? Kind of. <laughs> I don't remember. But there's been times when you've wanted stuff like that, and I'm just like, are you sure? You're digging, Tom. You're digging. That this is appropriate for me to give to you. Yeah, you always make me sign like a disclaimer. Yeah. I'm like... This is exercise stuff. I just need to make very clear that you're okay with this being so, a present. So I, I will just point out, you you got me my birthday present yesterday. I did. I, Her birthday is tomorrow. My birthday is tomorrow. Oh, so happy he, birthday. Thank you. And uh, he did not ask before he got me this gift. I love the gift, um, to be clear. But he got me a HelloFresh subscription. Like, oh, I've heard great things about that, actually. Yeah, I'm so excited to try it. I cannot wait till it gets here. I'm super excited. But is that a hint about your cooking? Right? <laughs> when do we cook? <laughs> yeah, we really... We're really bad about cooking. <laughs> and so you've been trying to eat healthy. I have. And so I just thought, like, well, here's a way to make it easy. And you're and you're always frustrated because I, I think the category of culinary design that I fall into is kind of like, Eight-year-old boy at a theme park <laughs> Right So I'm like Lots of pizza Lots of chicken tenders Preferably in the shape Of something adorable <laughs> Well you're like me Tom I, First of all Here's my palate I love airline food And I yeah. eat the same thing Every single day Almost the exact same meals every single day. I, I do could, not have a palate. Um, I could absolutely do that. Like I'm, I'm hyper specific about what I like. I did a, I once, so I once did a low, like a low carb, low calorie diet as part of a medical study, and and lost a bunch of weight. Kept the bulk of it off, actually. I mean, I I, I lost about seventy pounds. And, wow, you uh, look great. Well, thank you. <laughs> but um, but like it was low carb, low calorie, so I couldn't go over twenty carbs a day, and and I couldn't go over 800 calories a day. Wow, so, calories. yeah, so I got really good at figuring out like, how, like what's the most amount of food I can eat without going. And one of the things I would do is I would like I would go weeks at a time where I would have like uh, I was never a big breakfast eater, so I wouldn't eat breakfast. I'd have beef jerky for lunch, <laughs> and then I would have a plate of taco meat for dinner. And I did that for years. Like, I mean, a long. I still eat taco. I was like, like you plate, eat taco meat all the time. I eat a plate of taco meat all the time. I'll just make taco meat and just eat the meat. All right, let's go back to talking about the bike, Tom. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. 
<laughs> no, no, no. But but I look. I'm the same way. I the, the meal serves a purpose. It's to fill my stomach. It's a waste of time and money for me to go out to a fancy restaurant because I don't eat red meat for health issues. Basically, there are only so many ways one can make chicken or fish. So it's yogurt for lunch and something plain for dinner. Wow. It kind of reminds me of was it was it Einstein that had like forty of the same suit that he was just like I don't want to waste time thinking about what I'm going to wear so he would just every day get up and wear but like that have, sounds like Einstein yeah that makes good sense it yeah. does he's like why worry about it exactly I could see and your son Brian doing that yeah Brian's like that Brian has eaten waffles for breakfast every day for eight years nine years yeah like he's I mean it's. Yeah. He sometimes has Fruit Loops. Sometimes. Okay, if I could eat waffles for breakfast every day, I would eat waffles for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. So uh, I, I've seen uh, you talk about the fact that that you had a, like an acting career. I did. I um, I graduated college as a theater major, and the next day, literally the next day, hit the streets of New York doing street mime and stand-up comedy in the theater district while auditioning at the same time. I was an extra in a slew of movies. I'm sure you recognize me from all of them. Uh, <laughs> so were, were you an extra in any movies that we might have seen? Uh, yes. Such Zelig. as? Zelig. You remember me. I was person number 500. I love Zelig. Yeah, Zelig was great, but... I've seen seen it probably, seriously, I've I've seen Zelig probably 15 times. Well, it was was because of me, thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) My second day on the street doing street mime, I was there in my little clown outfit with my white face on, and they were filming a movie in front of the Schubert Theater, which at the time had Chorus Line, and I used to use the mirrors of Chorus Line to put my makeup on. I didn't understand why (laughs) they had changed the marquee, to a show called Never Say Never, but in fact, they were shooting a film called The Fan with Lauren Bacall and James Gardner. I'm three days out of school, and the um, designer for the movie comes running up to me and says, excuse me, we're doing a film here. Would you like to be in it? Do you have time? No. No, I'm booked. (laughs) (laughs) So I wind up being in this film, and he had visions of me doing all this mime shit with James Gardner. I had a lot of my own shots on camera. It was fantastic. And the first thing on my resume for a year was The Fan with Lauren Bacall and James Gardner with how we got it as The Mime. I mean, this was my big break until the film came out the year after, and I was cut. Um, That sucked. I had been telling all my friends and family, you got to go see this movie. I'm fantastic in it. But then my sort of big break, so to speak, was um, Saturday Night Live. I was a regular extra and bit part player on that show from around 1981 to 1983. So you were there in the, what, the Jean Dumont? Era, yes, right? very good. Yes. Yeah, I, I'm an SNL like aficionado. So like, so you were there when it was like Charles Rocket and Gilbert no, Godfrey. Charles Rocket. You were yeah, after Charles Rocket. Eddie Murphy, Joe Piscopo, Tony Rosario, Rosado, Julia Louis Dreyfus, Mary okay. Gross, Tim Kazarinski, uh, Julia's husband Brad Hall, then boyfriend, right? Uh, Christine Ebersol, that group. Okay, so you were it was like the non Lauren Michael time frame, right? That's Dick Ebersol, right? Or it, Brandon it was, Tartikoff? It was Gene to Dick. Okay, there we go. Yeah, that that's a crazy time because didn't Eddie Murphy kind of started off as an extra too, right? Well, no, he started. Well, it's funny about Eddie. Eddie was a supporting player. He's a, right. a, a many clicks up from me. And during the Charles Rocket era, if I remember the story correctly, when he was a a supporting player or something like that. 
you know, the show is a live show and they, it has to be 90 minutes and they factor in laughter uh, to get you to that 90 minutes. And, and on no one, one was laughing. <laughs> right, one particular night, they had a lot of dead time at the end. So Eddie did stand up at the end and he killed it. And that's what elevated him to where he was. And then during his error, so to speak, that's when 48 Hours came out. Right. Uh, which was the biggest movie in the country at the oh time. Oh, my God. And, that movie was Eddie, just a juggernaut. Eddie was a young kid from the inner city. He yeah, was I think. 19 years old. And suddenly. I was gonna, yeah, he, I was going to say he was 19 when he started SNL. Yeah. Yeah. His ego exploded like any of our egos would have exploded. Sure. Yeah. He, he came to 8H, which is the studio they shoot at. Yes. Um, the next, the next fall with this humongous diamond 48 hanging off his chest. And the show became a star vehicle for not the ensemble it had been. Right. A cast and a half or so before that. A star vehicle for Eddie and basically Piscopo. Eddie and Joe got most of the sketches and they everyone were, else was a supporting player trying to get some airtime in some sketch. Yeah, I mean, they were almost a comedy team. You know, exactly. they, they worked they right. together so much. Yeah. Right. But the interesting thing about that era is if you were, you probably remember, Tom, the Larry the Lobster show, uh-huh. where the um, they had a live dial-in vote. Dial-in to save Larry the Lobster. To save, do you right. had to, do you want to kill him? Do you want to boil him or save him? And you called exactly. him exactly. And that a Daniel Trevante yeah. was the guest host. I was on that show. Yeah. And in dress rehearsal, the expectation was that people would vote to kill Larry the Lobster. And in fact, the live vote was to save Larry the Lobster. So he he survived for a few more episodes. But that was the precursor. For shows like American Idol, it's the first time a network experimented with live voting. Like interaction, yeah. Exactly. And that's what the technology that was developed through and the overwhelming response to kill or or save Larry is what led to networks being comfortable having live voting. Fascinating. Yeah. They did a, there was a, I think they finally did one where they, where they quote unquote killed him. And I think Harry Anderson hosted that episode because the, he's got a story about Larry the Lobster and like the and then because he was Harry Anderson. People forget because of Night Court and then that Dave's World show. They think of Harry Anderson is like this really kind of like nice, friendly, super like his magic act really kind of had a little bit of a of a mean streak to it. You, you know, it. and uh, and it's great. It's it yeah. was so good. And so he was all about the idea of killing the lobster. But I mean. They didn't really, but like letting people think that they killed the lobster and and he just wouldn't give it away. And the people were they were getting inundated with calls. And yeah, like that's a that's a fascinating era because you're right. It was a star vehicle for Eddie because like he basically put that show on his back and saved it. Like if there hadn't been an Eddie Murphy in the show, time, canceled. there would be no SNL today. That's he kept, absolutely he, right. He single handedly kept that show on the air. When people hear I was on the show, they always say, oh, it was great back then. It wasn't so great back then. The show is always better, putting aside this past season, which I thought was terrific. Yeah. The show has always been better in hindsight. Absolutely. Than it actually was at the time. There were some I, funny sketches. The, the Gumby sketches were, were sure. hilarious. The uh, Doug Wee. and Andy Weiner yeah. were hilarious. But there were a lot of dogs also. 
I always look at SNL as like a uh, gambler. Is like uh, when you talk to a gambler, people they only remember the wins, you know. And and SNL is like that. People are like, oh man, this sketch was great. This sketch was great. But they but when they're eighteen months out, five years out, they don't remember the sketches that tank. They just remember the hits. And if that's exactly like, right. That to me, that's like fishing. I'm a Jew, formerly from Queens. When I go fishing, I go to Zabar's. But once I went shark fishing. <laughs> We were 12 hours out on a boat off of Montauk, and I learned during that 12 hours that yesterday was always the best day of fishing. Yes. (laughs) The captain told us how yesterday there was this shark and that shark, and the only thing we caught were sunburns. Right, yeah. The, you know, it's what's interesting is the famous uh, Star Trek sketch with John Belushi where they end up canceling it while they're filming it and they're dismantling the set. Like, people think that sketch is so funny. And what they don't realize is that sketch, if you go back and watch the original sketch, it's like nine minutes long. And, and and uh in in when you watch it now you see the edited down they just edit out like the really like funny 90 seconds or 2 minutes of it when you watch the original one it just goes on and on kind of like our discussion of SNL <laughs> Yeah, but the, look, it was uh, in my circle of friends. I was quite the celebrity, and I could bring sure. people down to the studio, and it was a lot of fun. And I was in my early twenties, and there are stories from those days that I'll save for another day. But it was great. It was it was fun. Um, but it certainly wasn't what I had quote unquote trained as an actor to do. I had sure. gone to the Welsh College of Music and Drama in Cardiff, Wales, for a year, you know, to be an actor. <laughs> right. Uh, and sitting in restaurant scenes or being operated on or playing John Wilkes Booth or, or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, or being in a people's court sketch um, <laughs> wasn't exactly challenging me as an actor. But it was definitely fun. Yeah. So, so then you ended up transitioning to law school. So how did that happen? <laughs> well, you know, I was fortunate. I was always able to pay my bills through entertaining, either working the streets. I did street mine for many years. I did children's theater, paid children's theater. I would get extra work on films. I would do SNL, which paid nicely. I would wait a table here and there, which was terrific. But I wasn't acting. I wasn't doing what I thought I could do. And the thing about that career is you don't get a chance to show anyone you have no talent, let alone that you have talent. And I was lucky. I was working. And so I I had at least the intellectual wherewithal to understand that my picture alone, which is what opens the door for you, your picture and resume, wasn't look of the day, whoever the look was back in the early 1980s, I don't know, Robert Redford or whomever, I, I just don't remember, I, you know, that wasn't me. I was a character actor. And so I was one of a zillion character actors that were waiting tables, being bicycle messengers and extras in films. And so luck, luck plays a huge, huge part of it. Um, and there's nothing wrong with pursuing it. And I pursued it for four years or so and made a living at it. And then I wound up as a casting assistant casting director on a feature film, on a SAG film. And there was this one guy who would call me every day and beg me for extra work. I was in charge of casting all the extras in the film. And you would look at his resume and he had littered throughout his resume what I called moments. Moments at which I'm sure he thought he would never have to be an extra again. He had a recurring role on a TV show. He had a part in a movie, a Broadway credit, etc., etc. And so here he was at the age of 54 begging me for extra work. And I asked him why. And he said he needed two more days work in order to hit the SAG minimum to get health benefits. And as much as I loved the life I was leading, I wanted eventually to have a family. I didn't want to live a gypsy life. I wasn't 
on the verge of getting married or anything like that, but I knew what I wanted for myself. Yeah. So I knew I, I needed to find an alternative to what I was doing. I auditioned for Ringling Brothers and actually got accepted to Ringling Brothers. And in the five months gap between the audition in the center ring at Madison Square Garden and hearing back from them, I had done a lot of due diligence to learn what life was like uh, being part of the circus, living on a train 11 months a year. That's a rough life. Smell, yeah, your thighs smell like elephant your whole yeah. life. And so I started to think, what else might I want to do with my life? So as a Jew, I had three choices. I could go to medical school. Um, <laughs> but that meant, since I was a, had been a theater major, going back to college and taking the sciences. And since I was already leaving revenue to take on debt, i.e. I was working, I was making a good living, but now I was going to go to school and take on school debt. I didn't want to have to start seven squares back. The other alternative, given my heritage, was to be an accountant and kill myself, meaning no disrespect to accountants. (laughs) And the third alternative was to go to law school. And when I was in college, I used to drive to the courthouse, not because I've had this deep-seated love for the law, but I thought it was great theater. Um, and so I just figured, what the hell? I'll go to law school. And that's what I did. And I graduated first in my class. And it's been a fun ride since. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, there is a lot of crossover, especially if you're going to do if you're actually going to be a trial lawyer. Like right. there's you need to have a performance aspect because you want to win over that jury like you. Look, I think a performance aspect to your personality is beneficial to whatever you do as a, a litigation partner in what's euphemistically referred to as big law in New York City. You spend more time behind your desk than you do in front of a jury. Sure. Um, but there's also uh, oral arguments and there are trials and there's depositions and there's negotiation and there's communicating with your clients, etc., and your adversaries. And having a sense of presence and a sense of performance, if it comes naturally to you, only benefits you. But as I tell young associates all the time, if you think my humor works for me in court, and you're not a funny person, don't try it. Yeah. You have to be yourself. And so it's worked, it's worked well for me. It's funny, Crystal and I have this conversation all the time because she'll be like, I need to do this presentation and I'll be like, here's what you should do. And I'll like have this like real kind of funny bit that kind of but also drives a point home. And she's just like, yeah, that's not who I am. I I cannot do that. that. Like it just it it falls flat and it's insincere when I do it. Tom could do it great. But if I tried something like that, everybody would think I was a dick. (laughs) You can can do that presentation as you. Right. Right. and not be a dick. Yes, yeah. it's. But if I try to put a shtick to it, it fails miserably because yeah. it's not who I am. I'm just. I'm. I. You get exactly what you see with me. I am just. I am so blunt and honest all the time. And so if I try to do something like that, it is completely insincere. Yeah, I've, I've always had this weird ability to be able to say like kind of shitty things to people, <laughs> and then they just laugh. <laughs> and they t- and I do it all the time. <laughs> But you don't always get away with it, right? I mean, there are times that you get busted because someone doesn't quite have the same sense of humor as you. No, I mostly get away with yeah, that. Yeah, I've never, I've never seen him get busted on it. Like, I've never seen that happen. Um, now, the only thing I've ever seen reversed to that is when somebody starts crap with him and he goes right to that place automatically and then it gets really... Like, they never have a comeback for whatever he says because right. he thinks of it so fast and then they just kind of end up looking like an well, idiot. Like, I'm sure I don't have to tell you, like, like being funny, like, you can also... You can weaponize that Absolutely. And, like, and, and, and be really 
mean you know what i mean and, and, and in a way that just is just going to eviscerate people so like you also have to be v- really careful like when you when you do get in like arguments with a loved one like you could say things that are just in the that in the moment you're you just want to say something mean and cutting that just you can never walk back and he's really good about not doing that, just to be clear. Yeah. <laughs> right. if, Tom, if we can talk offline about how one finds the line. <laughs> <laughs> What's really great, though, is when you finally decide to divorce her. And then, and then you've got 10 years of like, oh, <laughs> here it comes. Finding that line is important. It's like on the OPP. Right. Um, yes. <laughs> the OPP. Uh, every now and then, in the last few months, more now than then, yes. can take a turn. And my humor can go in lots of directions. Um, not that people will necessarily find it funny, but it's my humor, and I choose to employ it and apply it in a way that's not necessarily cutting. Hopefully, a little bit clever, uh, but just to cool people the fuck out sometimes. Yeah, you like you have this way of just kind of like uh, neutralizing the situation. You take the focus off of the polarized viewpoints and kind of put it like you kind of just bring this gravity to it of like, can we get some perspective, guys, without saying, can we get some perspective? I could be nasty, too. There are pages (laughs) on which I can be very nasty. Um, But I truly do. I have a genuine affection for the OPP. I genuinely do. It is part of what got me so invested in the bike. It was, not to coin a phrase, more than just a bike, but it wasn't just (laughs) riding at home. It was being part of what then was a much smaller community of folks spread out across the country, all of whom had inspirational stories that would motivate me every day and hold me accountable. And I wanted to be part of it. And I was happy to be part of it. And it's that spirit, not to get too you know touchy-feely here, but it was that spirit that got me so invested in the experience of Peloton. And look, things grow. And the page has grown. And God bless, because that's a reflection of the success of the bike, which inures to all of our benefits except for Tom. <laughs> but at the same time, as it grows, it, it brings in folks of lots of different personalities and lots of different backgrounds and lots of different attitudes and edges, etc. And sometimes it saddens me to see where it goes. And I try to do my part periodically to take the temperature down a little bit. So is that how the poem started? Is that is that kind of where it came from? Is that why you started doing it? Well, they sort of started back in late 2015 when um, I was trying to get one of the instructors to do a television theme song show ride. And so (laughs) I would post comments all the time for them to do. They used to take requests for theme rides and I would post TV theme show ride all the time with the Flintstones, Beverly Hillbillies, this or that. And then I started to get a little bit more creative with it. And that became that's when I first started marking up, so to speak, the Declaration of Independence and stuff like that and putting different words in and waxing poetic about it until uh, Jennifer Sherman Schreiber, Sherman Schreiber, as I like to say, Jen, I love her. <laughs> she wrote me and said, God, Nick, I'm going to do your goddamn TV theme show, show ride. <laughs> 
<laughs> and so after four or five months of lobbying in February of 2016, I guess it was the first home rider invasion in which I participated. But I don't think it was. I think it was the first official, official Peloton HRI. Because prior to that, some OGs had put together an HRI, but it wasn't sponsored by Peloton. But at that February 2016 HRI, uh, on that Sunday, she did that TV theme show ride, which sort of um, gave a stamp of approval to my my lyrics and my poetry. <laughs> not And by the way, not everyone loves it, and I've gotten a lot of shit for it, too, so I use it sparingly. <laughs> well, I think they're great. <laughs> they make me laugh every time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank I was you. just thinking, like, a TV theme ride would be, like, a lot of songs because those so- those themes are pretty short. Yep. There are, it's fantastic. Tom, you should take that ride. You just should. Sit, just sit on the bike and take the trip down memory lane. <laughs> He's like, I'm not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I immediately started trying to think about, like, TV shows that were based around bikes, but I can't really think no, of No, 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 no. It's it's the Beverly Hillbillies. It's the Flintstones. Oh, no. It's I get that. Island. It's I was uh, just... Trying to come up with show TV shows that were based around bikes just to see if I could. <laughs> yeah, no, Jen did a great job putting together uh, a playlist. I provided her some suggestions, but you're right. Some of the songs are like a minute or two minutes. She would find yeah. long versions of The Odd Couple, for example. <laughs> yeah, uh, and and there must be 48 songs in those 45 minutes. But it's I think it's one of the most taken rides on demand of all time. But that's what started me in sort of that's funny lyrical wordplay, and that was like February of 2016, and it was a Jennifer Sherman ride. Schreiber Sherman, Schreiber Sherman ride. JSS. When you say it, when you say it like that, she sounds like both a law firm and a Confederate general. Take her down, damn it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, Jen, Jen is a friend and Jen is great. But She's awesome. Yeah, the ride was, I think, February 21st of 2016, if that's a Sunday, something like that. I did, yeah, I'm not Rain Man. I can't tell you that. No, okay. I was just like, you were looking at me. No, like, because that's is it our anniversary. Sun- oh, <laughs> <laughs> I was so focused on like what day of the week it was. And you're looking at me like I would know. February like, 21st is when we got married. Oh, Hello. is that when that was? <laughs> you should have said something. <laughs> I'll wait here while you guys work this out. <laughs> <laughs> this might be the last episode of the clip out. She leaves me. You said that last episode. Too. I know, but we patched it up. But now two in a row. I don't know. Hey, I mean. J J Day. <laughs> there you go. All right, you don't need to try to set him up. Like it's okay. <laughs> you guys are doing just fine. You're <laughs> you have had quite a health journey. You t- you talked about some of that earlier. There, no, no. There there are a lot of inspirational stories embedded in the Peloton community. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Mine is perhaps one of them, hardly the most inspiring, but nonetheless, it's mine. And I've been fortunate in that I got to tell my story twice in front of a video camera, so more people have seen it or heard it. As I indicated in in 93, um, I had a quadruple bypass at the age of 35. And then uh, 10 years later, in 2003, I had a heart attack on a spinning bike in East Hampton. I became visually impaired first in 2009, then 2010. It happened to each 
sky um, one year than the other. So the end result of which is um, essentially blind completely in one eye and I have limited vision in the other eye. But you get used to that because um, you don't wake up every day and say to yourself, I can't see through my elbow, right? It's just your baseline. But light yeah. causes me extreme pain. And thus, I'm often seen with sunglasses and a hat to block out the light. And I have the palest, whitest, most phosphorescent skin on earth because I don't go out very much and my apartment is very dark. I had two stents put in uh, in 2012 and then this past April, lucky me, it turned out I lost 40% of my blood internally um, and was collapsing and passing out for about a week or so without knowing what was going on. I did get a couple of rides in though which was pretty stupid. I didn't know I was dying. Uh, that turned out to be two ulcers, but I'm... I was going to ask what that, was, like, what that was that would cause that. So ulcers cause it? Well, that was from two... It turns out I had two ulcers, one of which was large, caused by a combination of some of the many meds I take, including oh. blood thinners and aspirin. And at the time, I was on an anti-inflammatant because I have a really bad back. I have a lot of design defects, but <laughs> I don't... I look, people have it a lot worse than me. I have absolutely no complaints whatsoever. And as my cardiologist said to me back in 93 after my bypass surgery, uh, words that I live by, which were, you didn't die, you have to live. And I, I truly do believe in that. There are people who wake up every day hardly as fortunate as I am. And as you may have seen in, in my Award of Courage speech, I have a picture that sits on my desk of a man, a very poor man, buying a handful of water in Jaipur, India, when I was there. It was 120 degrees, and he's buying a handful of water. And the picture sits on my desk as a reminder of how lucky I am, and not because I'm luckier than that man. But you think of all of the people, the millions of people in the world who don't have the spare change to buy that handful of water, who look at that man as a really lucky man, well, that reminds me to keep life in perspective and how fortunate I am. Yeah, I've had some things, but none of them have set me back and none of them will. So did that, does, do those health issues, do they, do they run in your family or is it just kind of an anomaly? You know, people ask me about the heart stuff. Uh, do you have a family history? And I always say, I do now. Uh, <laughs> The answer is no. And I was doing everything right before my bypass. I was a runner. I was it a fast it. runner. Um, I always watched what I ate. You know, you, I lived a good lifestyle. As it turned out, my cholesterol, my total cholesterol was too high. But more important to that was my HDL, which you want very high, was very, very low. And so my ratio of total cholesterol to HDL was almost 20 to 1, which really, really sucks. Um, and that's an indication of what was to be. The heart attack on the spinning bike 10 years later, I literally blew out one of my bypassed arteries because I was riding so hard on the bike. I was stupid. I wasn't wearing a heart rate monitor. There was no resistance back in those days. I mean, there was, but nobody put resistance on. And you just, you just sprinted for an hour and a half. You danced. And someone with my history at that point should not have been dancing. Perhaps I should have sat that dance out. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I wound up feeling a severe chain in my chest. And one of, the, one of the other riders in the Peloton community, who I did not know then, 
I'm good friends with her now, and she's a physician. Jamie Stern was in that class that day. I owe her an apology and forty dollars for the class because I fucked it up for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but I tried not to. I went out to the front desk, and Marion was standing. She wasn't teaching that class. Uh, she was at the front desk, and I said, "Get me an aspirin." And with that, I collapsed to the floor. And another physician in the class, an OBGYN. I'm the only male patient she's ever had. <laughs> She attended to me while the ambulance came, and all I remember are tears coming down my eyes and me asking her, will I ever see my boys again? I have have two boys now. I have two younger boys then, and I started crying and could hardly breathe, and the pain was was gripping because it was a pretty massive heart attack. And she got me to calm down, and I certainly saw my boys again. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, no, it didn't suck. Yeah. Well, no, it sucked, but it's good. But it's good that you got to see. It was a good ending, right? It was. It was a sucky well, experience. Was a ending, but I used to travel a lot, a lot for work all over the world, and every year I would be platinum on what was then continental. And that year, because um, I was out of pocket for a couple of months, I didn't make platinum. So I wrote to the then chairman of Continental Airlines. I showed him my history with the airlines, how every year I had been a platinum member. I had flown enough miles to be whatever their highest level was. Like George Clooney him, and up in the air. <laughs> I explained to him that I had been medevaced by helicopter. And had it been up to me, it would have been a Continental helicopter. But it wasn't. <laughs> and I asked if I could be sort of an honorary platinum for the year, and they gave it to me. Wow. Good for them. You hear so many like lousy stories about airlines, so good good. For yeah. them for doing something yeah, nice. But where the fuck are they now? They got absorbed by United. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's what's being that's what being nice gets you. Right. <laughs> I, I fucked up the whole airline. Thanks a lot. <laughs> but that's that, that's my that's my medical history, you know. So I, I deal with the vision stuff. I I go to rainforests and not beaches now, uh, but I don't let it stop me or my girlfriend Carrie from traveling. We still travel the world. I wear my sunglasses. I wear my hat. I may look silly in a Broadway show wearing sunglasses, but fuck it, uh, I'm having a good time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Whatever you got to do to enjoy life. I mean, you only get to live it once. So who gives a shit what anybody thinks? Like, absolutely, get to live it twice. I want this one to be good. Yeah, yeah you want absolutely. Them both, you want them both to be good. <laughs> exactly yeah. right. So was it just a fluke that like none of this stuff popped up until you were older? Like, why did it happen? Why, like, why weren't you having these issues when you were a kid or a teenager? Well, the the heart stuff, and there are a lot of cardiologists and physicians in the Peloton community, uh, and I will sound, sound like an idiot talking about this, but. You know, heart disease sneaks up on you and blockages in the arteries sneak up on you. And it's not until you are very occluded, until you're very blocked, that you start to become symptomatic. And I'm just very fortunate that I didn't keel over and die during any of, you know, I would run every day. Uh, long distance, and I didn't do a gym fix. Uh, That's and, exactly and, who I was thinking of was gym. Yeah, fix, no, yeah. no. Look, it's and as a result of my experience, because everyone in my firm knew me as Howie the athlete, Howie the runner, at least. All the old guy partners went out and got stress tests after me. <laughs> um, I was I was the greatest thing ever to happen to my cardiologist. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And I often uh, say I'm God's gift to the medical community because I've, I've built a lot of second and third homes for a lot of doctors in the New York area. <laughs> 
you know, and then with the eye stuff, it's just a rare condition that can randomly strike. I forget what the statistics are. One in 50,000 people in one eye. And if it happens in one eye, you have a one in six chance happening in the other eye. So call me lucky. I got it in one eye and then I got it in the other eye. So the eye stuff is completely unrelated to the heart stuff? Unrelated. Completely unrelated. Wow. Uh, That's just... Uh, it's just crazy that all those things could happen to one person. You That's, know what? Like I say, my life is good. I got no complaints. Whatsoever. I know. And I just, I, I really admire your attitude about it because it would be so easy to just be like, oh, come on. Like something else is wrong with me, you know, and to just feel frustrated and mad. It, it would be well, look, so easy yeah, to do that. You're right, Crystal. And I have my moments that I get frustrated or, or my eyes are killing me from all the light or this or that. But you can go through life as a miserable wench, and you may be entitled to go through as a miserable person complaining, woe is me, uh, everything happens to me, just my luck, etc. But and enough about my ex-wife. <laughs> <laughs> right. And that becomes the totality of your life. And, right. and yeah, so you make it a does. Choice. I've made a choice to not view things that way. Um, There are too many good things I have in my life, too many great things and great opportunities, things I get to do to to dwell on some of the other shit I got to deal with, especially when you got that guy buying the handful of water in the 120 degree heat who gets to do that when so many people don't. Yeah, I mean, and if if that guy had your health situation, he would just be dead. Like he would not be in. He's not in a place where he has access. Where He would have access to that. Exactly right. Not to say India doesn't have that, but I mean, in his life, he's not in a place where he has access to that. Right. I had a heart attack and they had to get me from point A to point B. I got to go on a helicopter. (laughs) Right. It was great. And I asked the pilot to hum the theme song for MASH as he took off. (laughs) (laughs) That's so something Dom would do. I would totally do that. (laughs) That's a true story. (laughs) I have no doubt. That's what morphine will do to you. So how did you end up getting the award of courage from Sloan Kettering? Well, I don't know. (laughs) But somebody who knew somebody knew my story and they reached out to me and I pushed back when they offered it to me because of all the design defects I've had, for better or worse, I've never had cancer. And I thought there were many more inspirational people who actually can talk the talk because they've walked the walk than me, but they insisted. And so I said yes and tried to tie in my perspective of fighting back against some of the twists and turns that life throws at you uh, and help them raise that night over a million dollars for the cause from that night. I mean, part of it, it's a fundraiser. So they choose people who have a story to tell and they choose people who have connections, people who can sell very expensive tables and very expensive seats, etc., etc. So I brought together a combination of access to people with money and a bit of a story to tell. And I sat down two days before and, and scratched out some thoughts and pulled together some slides and reached out to uh, my friend Michael Fox and asked if, because he's a role model to me, um, and asked him if he would introduce me. Actually, he introduced, yeah, he, my son Max introduced Michael, and then Michael introduced me, and it, it all came together, and it was an extraordinary experience. Yeah, and, and you're kind of glossing over that, but that's, that's Michael J. Fox. Like, that's an amazing, that's an amazing experience to have, and I know that you're personally friends with him, and so I, I know because Tom has friends that are celebrities, and it's, it's a little bit different when you're, you know them personally, but I mean, that's really cool that he well, would do it, that. And right. you- 
It's cool, and, and Michael is a great person, and I didn't ask him because he was Michael J. Fox. I mean, obviously, right. that doesn't escape me because you've got to sure. refer to him by something. <laughs> but he and I have talked about how these twists and turns impact your life. We had talked about it, yeah. um, how you deal with it, and, and what he continues to fight through and fight for has always been inspirational to me. And he was a role model to me. So the fact that he would do that for me meant the world to me and not easy for him. And what Michael has is a progressive disease. And it's, you know, it it was progressing So that he did that for me. I I was quite honored by that. Well, and you guys seem to have a very similar take on your your physical ailments, for lack of a better word. I mean, like he's always been one open about it. Two, he has as best as you can a a pretty good sense of humor about it. I mean, he I mean he built an entire sitcom a, around being someone with Parkinson's. You know, yes, he did, and my son worked on that. Oh, that's, oh, that's awesome. so cool. The production assistant on that. Yes. And he has a great perspective. And Michael often says that, um, and there's some perversity to this, but I understand what he's saying. Michael always says that Parkinson's is the best thing ever to happen to him. It gave him meaning. It gave him purpose. And it gave him the opportunity to elevate what was a sort of a a, a, um, B-side disease. No one talked about Parkinson's. Right. Um, into a major issue and he's raised extraordinary sums of money and he's involved in the organization. He's not just lending his celebrity to the organization. Michael is involved on a day-to-day basis. So it gave him true purpose in life beyond what he had accomplished prior to then. And I think before he, before Michael J. Fox, uh, I don't know if you contracted or if it develops, I don't want to use improper terminology, but, but before he had Parkinson's or knew he had Parkinson's, like I think the perception was it was a disease that old people got. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. Nobody yeah. talked about it. Right. Yeah, um, it was like, well, you get it, but you get it in your eighties, and like something's going to take you out, and it sucks. But the, you know, you're eighty, like right. so whatevs. But you know, it, they, I don't think people perceived it as something a thirty-five or forty-year-old super healthy individual would have. Right. Right. And it wasn't getting the type of funding that any other more well-known, more, for lack of a better term, celebrated diseases were getting. And Michael's shown a spotlight on Parkinson's, as it should be shown on lots of other diseases. Absolutely. um, To get the necessary financial support. But he did that. He didn't do it alone, but he played a major, major part in it. And to this day, he remains extraordinarily involved in the cause. He just has always seemed like such a genuine person to me. I've just always I've always been a fan because he always seems just genuine. I always think an example of how likable the guy must be, like in real life, is is family ties, right? Like they Alex P. Keaton was written to be a complete douchebag. Like on the page Alex P. Keaton was supposed to be this Republican asshole, like just the like a, a, the epitome, the cliche of what people thought a Republican douche would be. And he, he was Lee Atwater as a child. Right. And but instead, like Michael J. Fox was was so effing likable. That yeah, yeah, it 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 shone through, (laughs) like he couldn't hide it, like and 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 so and people and and and, and he kind of uh, I always refer to it uh, is he fonzied 
the show. Like, <laughs> like Fonzie wasn't supposed to be the star of Happy Days, right? right? Like right. that happens sometimes. Urkel wasn't supposed to be the star of Family Matters. It like Alex B. Keaton was not supposed to be the star of Family Ties, and right. and he completely and, and not through like. Like Like he didn't push his way in It's just his natural ability Right not through a pushy temper tantrum kind of thing But it's just he just His his personality in a good way Just kind of took over the show And it became as we talked previously A star vehicle for Michael J. Fox and changed his life in good ways and in challenging ways Yeah I'm sure You know because I mean he was kind of For a long time he was Alex B. Keaton, right? Like that, but that's, he also he, he was sort of plucked out of uh, obscurity uh, from Canada, right. never having graduated high school, which he regretted, and suddenly he was on this star machine yeah. that changes your life uh, in many ways for the better, and in many ways potentially for the worse. He's got a story. I've heard him tell a story in an interview about how when he was when he got the word that he was cast in in Family Ties, he was literally on a payphone. I I think the story was he was like across the street from like a fast food restaurant and he's accepting this role on a major television show on network TV thinking like, oh, man, I wish I had enough cash in my pocket to go get some food at this fast food restaurant. Like he was he was like that. I mean, just a kid. Yeah. No money. Just a normal person. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That literally changed his life. It's just so funny how one moment can do that. Absolutely. Wow. So how did you can if not to turn this into the Michael J. Fox story, but how how did you cross paths with him? If if we can ask. Well, now you've asked it as as is often the case. And I'm sure it's not unique to New York. At a certain point in your life, you meet new people through your kids schools, friends. Yeah. And essentially, that's how at first we became friendly with Michael and Tracy and their kids right. um, through our kids and then started vacationing with them a bit. That's how we became friendly with them. Gotcha. I always think it's got to be really weird when you're a well-known person like that and to to pick up new friends because you're kind of wondering are they just being my friend because i'm i'm because i'm famous yeah. like why are they here like that has to be difficult well we were in st john's once and we were walking to dinner uh, i was walking talking to michael and these two women are walking towards us and as they approach us they say oh god we love you michael and then they kept walking and we kept walking and i said that must be so odd for you and he said I'm worried that I've been with her before. <laughs> that just makes me love him more. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, it is. What a great story. We bought a, what, a $20 milkshake in St. John's. Yeah, we did. <laughs> we, yeah, we. We were on a cruise and we went to St. John and we, we took the kids out to like a restaurant. We, it was really hot and we we're like, yeah, let's just get milkshakes for everybody. <laughs> not, not realizing. Like you're on an island And they have They have to fly in milk <laughs> We just didn't We didn't think It was just like and So we get the bill And we're like Like it was just a little Like sit down hut Kind of a restaurant And like we get the bill When we're done And we're like A hundred and forty dollars Like what the hell Did we get <laughs> And was it good for you? No. It, honestly, it was not. It was one of the worst milkshakes I ever had before I knew how much it cost. Yeah. yeah. It was, how much traction have you got? How much usage have you gotten out of that story since? Uh, uh, oh, quite a bit. Yeah, a little bit. 
<laughs> because because we're, we always make a joke now every time we order milkshakes we're like we, we tease the kids like let's check the price this time before yeah. we order it <laughs> yeah, it wasn't it wasn't on the menu it was not on the menu yeah, that was... should have been a freaking clue yeah that's true <laughs> it's like uh, that line in Pulp Fiction where he's like five dollar milkshake that better be a pretty good milkshake <laughs> yeah but the guy that sold you that milkshake he owns second homes next to all my doctors <laughs> <laughs> yeah actually I mean it, looking back it was like that was freaking brilliant because they were like because we were talking about how hot it was and they were like oh we have milkshakes and I mean <laughs> what an upsell oh, you know yeah, good we job totally I, walked into it and it's also <laughs> like it's such a good like uh, it's such a good circle of life kind of moment like right that he's got second homes by selling food that causes heart attacks and then <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and, and I'm sitting home alone in the dark eating yogurt. Right. <laughs> yes. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so uh, back to the bike, as we were saying uh, multiple times. Uh, you have some some pretty strong opinions about Peloton, just various things so, like the pause button, things like that. So so maybe walk us through a few of those. Well, all right. So we'll talk pause for a second. Okay. Uh, I am I'm a fa- I am famous or infamous for my views on the pause feature. Let me preface this by saying I have never had any use for a pause feature. <laughs> I advocate for this because I think it's the right thing, because I understand the plight of many a mom or, or a stay-at-home mom or stay-at-home dad with young children who's trying to squeeze in some exercise, which is one of the selling points for the bike. And I think it was John Foley in his year-end speech last year who was highlighting the extraordinary convenience of the bike for folks who are stuck at home with young children, babies, etc. The ability to pause a ride doesn't hurt anyone. The arguments you hear in opposition to it go to the integrity of the leaderboard. So let's talk about that. First, uh, the leaderboard is used by many, not me. I wipe it off for health reasons. I don't use any metrics, no leaderboard, because I don't need to be chasing anybody. But the leaderboard is used by people to chase people and to stay ahead of people. It's an incentive, and that's fantastic. And I take nothing away from that. It will continue to be just that, even if the person in front of you paused for four hours. You're still chasing an unknown person because you think that gives you a better workout or trying to stay in front of someone who's coming up from behind you. Even if that person paused for three weeks, it's giving you a better workout. Uh, and that's the choice that you make. In, in terms of the, the, the leaderboard itself, at least to my knowledge, in my two plus years having the bike, no one has ever won a cash prize for <laughs> a trophy or been accepted to the U.S. Olympic spinning team based on their placement on the leaderboard. Now, I get it. I get the pride factor. I get the need to win the day. And that's all well and good. And it's a compromise between some person's ego, not used in a pejorative sense, because there's nothing wrong with ego, but some person's ego versus a stay-at-home mom who finally was able to get on the bike and then their child awoke from a nap her ability to pause the ride. And given that tension, I err on the side of the mom who also paid $2,000 for the bike, who also pays $39 a month, and whose ability to pause won't impact any other rider 
in the least. So that's my view of it. I've waxed poetic about it. I've waxed not so poetic about it. <laughs> Oftentimes I stay out of the mix. I know it's an old, tired argument on the OPP. The company has stayed relatively silent about it. It is what it is. I don't need it. I'm not looking to pause. I don't even ride with the leaderboard. I don't ride with the clock. I don't ride with the metrics. It ain't for me. I just think it's the right thing to do for all those other people who would benefit from it, who are paying the same amount of money as the guy or gal who's adamantly opposed to it. You know, it's funny because it's like, as someone who doesn't ride the bike, I always feel like, I don't really know that I'm entitled to have much of an opinion. But I, I did, I mean, Chris will vouch for me, I, I instantly landed in the exact same spot. That yep. I'm, I'm just like, well, but that, that person has a greater need and it has no material impact on anybody else. Like, it's, who cares? Like, why it's zero do you, impact. It's yeah. zero impact. You know, and the other the other argument you sometimes hear is that the classes were designed to be taken without a break. Maybe they were. Maybe they weren't. Yeah. You know what? Blazing Saddles was intended to be watched from start to finish without a break. But yeah. sometimes I have to pee and my DVR <laughs> allows me to pause that. Yeah. That's a good point. And you know what? If you really want to get if you really want to get technical, spin classes were Designed I'm making air quotes You can't tell Because it's a podcast But uh, we're designed To be taken In a studio Not in your house Using internet Streaming technology So I mean mm. You know I mean that's Interesting If you really If you really Want to drill down on it Yeah so look I'm not going to lose Any sleep over it I always <laughs> support Anyone who is Advocating for it Every now and then Because I'm bored shitless I will wax poetic about it. Um, sometimes I'll get a little bit adamant and arrogant about it, but it ain't for me. I just think it's the right thing to do when one of the things that you're selling is the extraordinary convenience of being able to ride in your own home on your schedule. Right. On your schedule. Yeah, no, I I, I concur. I, uh, I also think it was interesting, like, how quickly you went into lawyer mode. Yeah, that was hilarious. You, like, had it all broke down. Like, you were... Let's walk through that. Yeah. <laughs> Does, I didn't mean it, it was an insult. It wasn't. It really wasn't an insult. I was just thinking that, like, like if you like, if I'm, you know Tom, it's so funny because he can be so freaking sick. I've seen this happen, and then like there have been times I've been like, oh man, maybe you shouldn't be on the radio today, and he'll be like, ah, oh, I'll be fine, and like he'll walk in coughing, sneezing, like his head's hung down. He'll just be sitting there playing his game, and then like the the guy who hosts the radio show will be like, and let's take it over to Tom O'Keefe and he's instantly like a different person like I mean just completely he sounds different he's just on and then he'll do his 10 minutes and then he's like okay I need to go home and take some yeah. Advil and cold side as soon as they kill the mic I'm like and I'm shutting down and he just hey, like listen, you could- having, having come of age in the 60s 70s and 80s it's all a function of timing your drugs correctly that is true but it's also because i do this i do the same stuff though like i'm i can be very analytical and like i get very like i'm 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 a big fan of linear logic if then if we know this then we know this and like that's just i have had to learn to argue completely differently yeah no you what you need to learn to do is just accept that i'm right there you go hey now Swipe right, swipe right. <laughs> so um, we should probably wrap it up. We've yeah. been going for a while. Here. I know we got a little overboard. Yeah. Again. Well, you can cut out all the stuff where I prattled on about Saturday Night Live. <laughs> it's my weak spot. I, like I'm a I'm an SNL amateur historian. Well, hey, it's, 
it's a great show, and I love the institution of SNL, and I'm proud to have played my little tiny role. Actually, if you go to the, um, if you go to a show now, at least last time I went as just a, a audience member, right? On when you wait online, they let you. The studio's on the eighth floor, but the balcony's on the ninth floor, and so yeah. if you're waiting online on the ninth floor, they have lots of pictures from old sketches. There I was in one of the Weiner sketches, and I was proud oh. to see myself on the wall. It's not a picture of me, but I'm in the in the restaurant scene. So wow. I'm proud to be part, my little part of that institution. That's awesome. That's so cool. The diverticulitis. Diverticulitis. Doug yeah. and Wendy. Before we go, we what, should... We, oh. ha- we have to ask what his leaderboard That's name is. That's what I was okay. going to ask. Oh, I, well then, finish uh, your question. <laughs> if you'll let me. <laughs> so before we go, why don't you tell everyone your leaderboard name in case they would like to follow your non-metrics using self. <laughs> All right. Um, I had to pick a name that no one else had taken taken yet and i knew how to spell so my leaderboard name is godnik <laughs> <laughs> nice nicely done so Easy. now there's there's probably like godnik 319 there's probably there's, not, there's, a, there's a godnik 2 t-o-o and that's my younger son when i took him to the studio on father's day <laughs> that's so cool <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> that's great is, is there anywhere else that anybody can find you online do you want them to find you well i i I, um, speaking of poetry, um, I write a lot of political poetry that I would never reference or mention on the OPP because it's political. Right. Um, right. But there's a Facebook page called God Dick's Musings that anyone can come visit and join the 2,000 or so people who subscribe. Um, I don't care one way or another, but if you want to read more of my viewpoints in lyrical fashion, uh, they can find it there. I have two videos that are posted. One is of my TED Talk, which I gave in March of this past year. Year, and the other is my award of courage speech, which I gave in May of 2012. I guess you just search me on Google or on YouTube, and those will come up. And all my porn stuff has since been purged. So, <laughs> is it okay if we put the the videos and your link on our clipout page? Yeah, of course, absolutely. Awesome. So we will post all that at facebook.com slash clipout. Fantastic. Thank you, guys. This has been fun. It has been so it much has. fun. Thank you for, for joining us and being on the show. It was a really good time. Yeah, thank you very much. You guys are great. Thank you. Thanks, guys. So uh, there is no recipe this week because Mr. Godnick is a big fan of oranges, and his recipe would be entirely in poem form, and nothing rhymes with orange. <laughs> no, no. The truth is that he likes airplane food. And he said that unless we wanted us to, unless he wanted to, like, give us some kind of recipe from an airplane line, <laughs> that we probably wouldn't like any recipes. He doesn't have any recipes for us. Yeah, he did talk about it during the interview about how he's just like, I eat for fuel and then I'm done. I don't really care. I'll eat the same thing day after day. Yeah. So so, so he said no recipe. So you probably don't want a recipe from him. Yeah. It'd probably be kind of boring. Also, nothing rhymes with orange. That's the real reason. That's the real reason. Nothing rhymes with orange. Not even Howie Godnick <laughs> could overcome orange. That stumbling block. Yes. So, uh, so I guess that's it for this episode. Uh, what do we have in store for them on the next episode? A real treat, Lisa Getty. Awesome. And what what would they associate with Lisa Getty? I mean, what wouldn't anybody anybody who has ever ridden on a Jen Sherman ride? Would have heard at least one shout out Getty are you riding today <laughs> uh, And Getty is also 
Lisa Getty. I guess I shouldn't call her Getty. Yeah. Uh, she also is uh, one of the admins on the JSS tribe. And uh, she does so much for the community. Awesome. So that is coming up on episode 21. Yes. Did you do the math right? You did. Carry the one. 20 plus one equals 21. So uh, Even on cold medicine, you're e- killing it. Yeah, I don't like to brag, but... Uh, <laughs> I took a math class. So that is it for this episode. Uh, Where can they find you? They can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Crystal D. O'Keefe. And they can also find me on Twitter at Clip Out Crystal. And of course, on the bike at Clip Out Crystal. Awesome. And you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Tom O'Keefe or on Twitter at Roger Kubert. And you will not find me on the bike. So there. So uh, that's it for this episode. Again, coming up next time, Lisa Getty. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time, keep pedaling. Clip in, set yourself free. Come on and take a ride.